Hello and welcome to the Daily Booktopian for Wednesday, May 6. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about reading in the time of isolation and social distancing. Joining me today are Category Manager for Children's and YA Books, Sarah McDuling. Hi, Sarah. Hi. And Category Manager for Lifestyle Books, Shinu Prasad. Hello, Shinu. Hi. Now, we've got two big YA fans on the podcast today. And we're going to take full advantage of that by, before we getting into before getting into our discussion of the books that we've been reading, discussing the big news on the YA book front at the moment, which is that Stephanie Meyer has announced the release of Midnight Sun, the long-awaited fifth book uh, in the Twilight Saga. Opinions, people, what do we think? Merry Christmas, booksellers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, I mean, it's big news. It's very big news. It's I, I actually meant to figure out how many years it's been since the last Twilight book, but I forgot. But it's like well over ten years, right? Yeah, I think two thousand and eight was the last one. If if um, the newspaper articles I've been reading about it today are accurate. Uh, Shanu, what's your thoughts here? My thoughts were, I thought that I had left that world far behind in book form. <laughs> and was only revisiting it in random when the movies are back on the air. But now, you know, I mean, like, I'm a fully, fully grown adult, not even a, you know, like, I, there's, I'm nowhere close to that young adult age. But I think we all know that pretty much everyone, uh, and even the people that are saying, oh, I don't want to know about this, this is, like, so ridiculous, blah, 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 blah. I'm pretty sure we know that everyone is going to be reading this book. And well, I, I think certainly that's hope a lot of people buy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And there's going to be, I reckon this is where you'll see the, uh, where you, certainly where Booktopia comes in very handy because we do offer that wonderful service of uh, online shopping and delivery so you don't have to go into the bookstore if you're uh, <laughs> someone of, say, my age who's slightly embarrassed to still be interested in what happens in the world of Bella and Edward. You know um, what? I don't think anyone should be embarrassed. I think I don't think anyone should be embarrassed. I'm just saying that I know that people, <laughs> some people are just for judging from the reactions that we have seen already on um, you know social media, so uh, but I guarantee you that those people who are reacting that way are sneakily going to be buying and reading this book as well, because like it was the biggest thing, right? Like it was the biggest thing. You could not, you could not get away um, away from it when it was you know around the first time. Now there's a whole new generation of like people rediscovering it, and even if you know there are some things that we may find slightly problematic now with it, um, you know it's still a good opportunity to talk about you know, you know, why something, you know, we find, we found at that time might have been okay, why we don't think so now, you know, there's still like lots of ways to enjoy and explore the the series. And I think, I think that's why they've gone with the cover direction, which is a bit more, feels a little bit more, you know, adult than the, um, than the last ones, even though I'm sure that the book is meant to be, you know, read by the same kind of like, you know, teenage age that was, uh, that was reading it in the first, in the, the first yeah. round. That's an interesting question. I reckon it's definitely, this is the thing with the Hunger Games prequel coming out this year as well, and I find it hilarious that 2020 brings us both of these prequels from big, high-selling YA mega-franchises of roughly 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, so was it a case that Suzanne Collins was like, I'm going to do a Hunger Games prequel, and the world freaked out, and Stephanie Meyer was like, okay, reaching into a drawer and d- brushing the dust off her midnight sun and being like, I, I have to do this too? <laughs> or is it like... I think it's something... 
Yeah, potentially, or something about the weird uncertainty of this time that has people craving, like, nostalgia. I don't know. I find it interesting that they're both coming out at the same time. Yeah, except the 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 ballad of uh, songbirds and oh, I cannot I can never remember the ballad a of songbirds and, and snakes, but we can just call it the Hunger Games prequel because that's what everyone's calling. Okay, it. good, good, good. Thank you. Because that will help me a lot. Because you know I'm terrible at like trying to remember titles that have got more than three words in it. Um, yeah. The boy, the fox, the mole, and the horse. No, my bugbear of last year. Um, but I mean, we this was announced last year, right? So this was announced well before, um, you know, well before any of the world going crazy. The Hunger Games is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, but I think it's. I don't think it's anything to do with the reaction necessarily to what's happening right now. I just think it's. Um, I think I blame Netflix more than anything. Yeah. Because I feel like that Netflix is making nostalgia like ramping up slightly. So there's all and you know and I think it was happening before before now but now it's just like the perfect storm for it to all come together but, it's true because um, like yeah. the normal nostalgia cycle they say is a decade right so by the time yeah. a decade passes you start thinking fondly of of the things that were 10 years ago so it does it makes sense it makes yeah. sense it used to be 20 years that's when it used to be that the, the the nostalgia cycle used to be 20 years that's when but the world now, changed more slowly yeah <laughs> I know, right and now now they're saying 10, but I, I reckon, I think you'll find that um, people are already being nostalgic for like the the, the mid-2000s, 2000, mid not even the early 2010s. So I reckon we're going to yeah. get down to like a five-year cycle pretty damn quick. Does this mean that the Winds of Winter will come out this year? Oh, my God. <laughs> Could it? Could it mean that? Could all the books that have, I mean, Hunger Games people came out of nowhere and we didn't know it was coming, but... Could this mean that J.K. Rowling will do her, like, Founders and Hogwarts prequel? Maybe all the prequels are going to come and all the long-awaited books will finally arrive. That would be nice. Um, the, the, the question, the question that, the, that, I'm, that I'm kind of asking myself is um, whether they're going to... I mean, obviously, this, this book is going to be massive and massive business. With Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, I believe a movie deal has already been inked for that to be a film are they, they gonna can't. they can't they can't. Story. <laughs> you've, got a problem. you've got a slight problem um i mean you can i guess there is a lot of movie technology that can make you know i mean benjamin button did it make you know uh people de-age but the whole point More to the point none of those actors would ever do it i don't think they, no. i don't think any no. of those would agree to do it now they've all very much moved on i'm but pretty like, sure Robert Pattinson is is a hard no for that and um well, I, he's batman now he's, he's, he's batman now yeah oh well but, then we see what happens to some some batmans after batman so maybe he would be uh maybe he'd be back no there's just there's just no way there's just here's no the way. horrifying thought i had it's been like i don't know i don't know what year um it was when the first movie came out but it's been a long enough time to pro potentially warrant a reboot. And what if they reboot this whole thing as a TV show? Yeah. Oh, I, I think I know because that's, that's an opportunity that, you know, I'm going to put a controversial uh, thing out there. I did not enjoy the casting of the Twilight movies in any way, shape or form except for um, except for Kristen Stewart. I did not like any of them. I did not think any of them matched their book personas at all. 
Um, and I found them very hard to watch. And it's actually quite lucky that I wear glasses because when I did watch the movies, <laughs> I just took the glasses off. So I couldn't see in detail the features of any of the actors because I just was not yeah. <laughs> casting. So, so Sarah, if that is a true thing that happens, a full reboot with whole new people as a TV series, um, I would be so on board with that. I would be on board with it if they, like, took the wacky storyline of the later books in that series, you know, with grown werewolf men marrying babies or whatever happens. I don't want to get into it. But, like, if they took all of that and reimagined it in some way in the TV show, I'd be, I'd be down. Oh, yeah, there's so many here's, ways to go. Here's my question. Yeah. Will she do the E.L. James thing of rewriting each book in her series from Edward's perspective? Do you think we're looking down the oh, barrel for years? No, I don't think so. Rewrite Twilight books. Because I don't know about you, but what I read was that this is Edward's story. So I, she may have changed it from whatever got leaked, you know, many years ago, because I thought this was Edward's story from before he met he met Bella. Oh no, no. It's it's the first book told from his perspective, as far as I know. Oh, I, don't I know. thought it was I thought it was going to like be from before up until because didn't we didn't we already get a bit of his perspective somewhere in one of the books later on? I can't. It, it, like I can't the one remember. where he's one where he's missing for most of the book or something, and she's imagining him everywhere and doing silly things. You might have, but Midnight Sun, from everything I've read and understood, is Twilight, the exact story of Twilight, but just from Edward's perspective which is exactly what E.L. James did with Fifty Shades of Grey. And then she went on to, re re I think, rewrite every book in that series or is still in the process of doing that. Right. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel it didn't because it doesn't, nothing she's ever said seemed, sounded like that that's what her plan was, right? No, but judging by the sales of this, plus this book, by the way, is 700 pages long. It's oh, wow. 700 pages yeah. long. Right. And it's not. I don't know how long Twilight is, but I don't think it's it was pretty. It was pretty hefty, don't you remember? I remember that. I was like, oh, that is a long, like, when I picked, because I bought the first one when I was in New, uh, New York from, like, the Strand bookstore before, like, it had been, like, a thing. I was just looking for books to read because I was there by myself. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, why not, you know, give this one give this one a go. And then I was like, geez, this book is taking a long time to read. Like, I just looked it up. Twilight is... 464 pages long and Edward's version of this same story is 700 pages long. Wow well you well. know there's a lot more to say. I, that's why I thought that it was um, yeah I, that's why I thought it was taking place to starting before he meets like before the story starts. Maybe slightly but I think you might just get I don't know we'll find out but I think it's yeah. majority of it is just going to be them meeting and lioning and lambing all over the place for 700 pages and then and then it ends. And then next year she announced that she's doing New Moon from Edward's perspective and booksellers everywhere rejoice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I just, I've just read a quote here from her um, interview that she did with GMA where she announced it because, you know, her website obviously crashed when the countdown clock ended. Um, and it was, um, there is so much more to his side of the story than there is to Bella's in that first chapter. So I think that's our first clue about how we get to 700 pages. Um, uh, his side of Bella's first day at Forks High School is 100 times more exciting than her own. Okay. Well, well I mean, it would be because he's like going driven crazy by her, by the smell of her 
<laughs> so whereas she doesn't, she just goes, oh, look at that. Look at those very beautiful people over there. But you'd think it would just be an even exchange of like paragraphs about Topaz coloured eyes being exchanged for paragraphs about how the beautiful smell of her blood. <laughs> you'd think it would be like like for like. But anyway. No, I, I, I don't know. I, but the problem is, is that we all, like the rest of the world, are going to have to wait for another three months until... <laughs> I'm going to be so interested in the early reviews of this. I don't know. If but, I, but I'm also really glad that we only found out now, three months earlier, because the ballad of the songbirds and snakes, that was too that was too much of a reveal. And that's, like, too, too long to wait <laughs> from, like, last year to to another couple of weeks. And, and just I, I wonder whether, like, the, the part of it that I want to read is the internal monologue of the calculation that he makes where he's like, am I, should I, a 100-year-old man, creep into the bedroom of this girl <laughs> and watch her sleep? It's probably going to be fine, right? Okay. This, is what, this is what I was driving at before. I'm worried yeah. that this book, at the time that the first one was written, it was a very different time. It was the mid-noughties. Like, I think that a, a reread of Twilight Now, which is maybe something we should consider doing, Shanoo, would like, I just don't think it would have aged well. The critique of the movies and stuff over the years has sort of, has always been that Edward's a bit creepy and that the whole relationship is very toxic and imbalanced. But that's why it's good, right, that we read these kinds of books and so that we can, and we read different kinds of books as well. So we read all kinds of books so that we can understand why something might be problematic and how something could be problematic but be presented in a way that makes you want that thing to happen anyway. Yes, but if that was the, what this book was doing, it would be different. It's not. It's it's presenting it as the romantic ideal. And, like, and that's okay. And so, that's okay because that's why we have other books. And that's why we don't just read one, <laughs> one, uh, one series. Well, and that's I'm it. with you. I'm with you. And look, I'm all for a book about um, a toxic relationship, but you know, like that's why I like Wuthering Heights. <laughs> but like, yeah, but not everything there's, has there's, to there's be. There's no rewriting of like, you know, I mean, there is lots of rewriting to Wuthering Heights where they've, I'm sure, like done all sorts of different things to to the book. But that that book is too depressing for me, so I do not read those retellings. Um, but um, yeah, there's something to be said for a book that just does what it does and then everyone else, you know, will make up their own opinions as to whether that point of view makes things better or worse. And yeah, I, guess I just think it's an interesting point that Mark brings up because what might pass for more easily pass for romantic when you're in the innocent girl's point of view, like trying to decipher this, like, behaviour of this mysterious boy, it, it's much more easy to make that romantic than being in the boy's head and... <laughs> And all he wants to do is kill her. Like, I just don't know how it's going to read. If, do you know what I mean? Like, is it just going to be really unpleasant? I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, and we'll find out. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, we've dedicated a fair amount of time to discussing to discussing this book. Which we is truly do. We talk about some books we've actually read. <laughs> to what we've actually read. Uh, Sarah, do you want to go first? What have you read? Okay, I kind of fly through these because of the amount of um, of Twilight that we've already discussed. Um, I have, I don't know if I just sensed on the wind that we, we had some YA fantasy announcements coming, but all I read recently was YA fantasy. So I've got three books that I want to talk about. Uh, the first one, and I'm going to, like, I really like this book. I'm not making fun of it, but the title of it 
just sounds like you roll the dice and got like generic fantasy title out of it. It's like it's called A Throne of Swans, which is like somewhere between Game of Thrones and Throne of Glass. But um, it's actually the perfect title for this book, despite sounding like it's a bit paint by numbers. It's a amazing, it's amazing YA fantasy. It's by Catherine and Elizabeth Core. Um, That's two people. Yes. Two people wrote it together. Sisters? I don't know. Mother and daughter? I don't know. Maybe I should Must find out. out. I should have found out before this podcast, shouldn't I? But anyway. I'll find out. You keep talking. Yeah. So, okay, you, okay, Shani, you found out and I'll keep talking. So this is um, set in a world of shapeshifters and I guess it's kind of loosely inspired by um, the Swan Lake, I guess, but it's it's loose. Um, so in this world of shapeshifters, people only shapeshift into birds and there's each family will have a different type of bird. The royal family shapeshift into swans, but there are other ones who shapeshift into ravens and there are other ones who shapeshift into hawks and yada, yada. And so into this world, um, we have the main character, Adarin, who is like her when her father dies, she inherits a position of power in the kingdom. Um, but there's a big mystery about the death of her mother. Um, ever since her mother was killed, she's been unable to shapeshift, but that's like a highly, highly kept secret. So she is summoned to court and she is like third in line for the throne or second in line for the throne, I can't remember. So what proceeds is a whole bunch of court intrigue, which is something that I love. And the main character kind of has to figure out what happens with her mother's murder, um, come into her own power um, from the position she's inherited and, like, manage all of this intrigue that's going on whilst keeping the secret that she can no longer shapeshift herself because if people knew that, it's like, it sounds dramatic, but it's a death sentence. She would be killed if they found that out. And so that is... Throne of Swans. I, it, I'm very much into it. Shanu, you should be warned that it is the first book in a series and does not have, it's a bit of a cliffhanger ending. Oh, so, okay. I'll have to wait till they're all out. Yeah. yeah. My witness now. Um, <laughs> the sisters. The core sisters. sisters. Yeah. Okay. But not the cause, like like the band. Different, different yeah. people that are siblings that are right. That are Unrelated together. to the cause. Catherine yeah. was before. I'm like, I yeah. feel bad for writing on the title, but I just think it's a great example of a time when you see a book and you read the title and it's like follows that typical like a the land of stars and fire or something that's like just sounds really generic and you have an internal eye roll and you think, oh, another one. But when I read this one, um, with, with all of that in my head, I was, you know, really, really caught up in the story and really liked it and... Um, Definitely keen for the next one when it comes. That came out in January this year and is available to order now. So, and hopefully, you know, if you read it now, you will only have to wait till early 2021 for the next book. Okay, book two on my list is The Guinevere Deception by one of my favourite, favourite authors, Kirsten White. Kirsten White is just amazing. She's, she's written so many things. She's got a fascinating book called The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein. She's written a bunch of um, a bunch of books related to the Buffy universe, which I really like. 
he's written an amazing thing called Illusions of Fate, which is one of my favourite fantasies ever. So whenever she comes out with a new book, I'm like, oh, kiss my excellent. This time she's tackling. Oh, and she also has the um, the that vampire trilogy. Oh my god, the And I Rise one, where it's like a reimagining of Vlad as um, a girl. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. She's amazing. Everything she does is amazing. Um, So the Guinevere Deception is a Camelot thing. It's like the story of Camelot told from the perspective of Guinevere, but she's kind of not really Guinevere. It's hard to explain. It's, this is, this is a slow moving book that gets really excellent in the last, in the last little bit. So this is one of those ones where I'd say, if you pick it up and you're not into it, you know, you, you feel like nothing really is happening in the first few chapters. It's definitely worth um, persevering because I have the sense that she's setting up a really amazing series and that you'll know what I mean. By the time you get to the end of this book, you're desperate for the next one. It's, um, I don't want to say too much because there's a lot of re- like reveals in this that I think it's important to go unspoiled. And I'm saying that. I don't even believe in spoilers. But I think it would be a shame to give too much away on this one. But it is basically the story of Camelot told from the point of view of a, a like person pretending to be Guinevere, sort of. Oh, I can't do this. It's too hard. Um, it's you're just saying a, recommend. You recommend. I recommend it. It's not a romantic-driven plot, but there is uh, sort of two potential love interests. And as often happens with this, because I hate love triangles, um, and I find them such a boring way to move a plot forward, but. When, so whenever I sort of sense one coming, I'm, I've got half a foot out the door. But this one, I'm like, one of, them, one of the potential love interests is very interesting to me and the other one is a snooze. And so I trust Kiss and White's going to do things the right way. But I look forward to the next book, which is coming out in November and is called something that I've forgotten. Campus. But anyway, it's... Oh, I can't remember. It's called The Camelot Something. But it's coming out in November. Very good. Oh, my God, I'm nearly there, guys. Okay, the third one. The third one is called Incendiary by Zareda Cordova. Uh, this author has a whole other series which I haven't read, um, but now I think I will try and find them. Um, it's called uh, – she wrote a series about um, – The book was called Labyrinth Lost. Uh, This new series is like a fantasy series set in like a world that's got a flavour of uh, 15th century Spain. Um, It's not actually, I don't think it's actually, it's definitely not set in Spain, but the world is kind of inspired by 15th century Spain. It's about a girl called Renata who, the magic system in this world is intense and and I won't try and explain it, but it's very detailed and intense. And she has an ability where she is a memory thief. She can pretty much just steal your memories. Um, and that's like a really feared power and it does not make her a popular person, but it does make her a very useful person. So she has uh, – she's a very interesting character. She's got gaps in her own memory. Um, she's had a traumatic past and she's working – you know, with a rebellion against 
sort of wicked rulers of this land. But things get super complicated. Um, her, like, main love interest gets kidnapped and she has to go and try and save him, but then nothing is really what it seems and it's all very, very dramatic and amazing and exactly what I feel like reading at this point. And that one just came out, Incendiary by Zarita Cordova. Um, came out on the 28th of April. Uh, I recommend that one and yeah, it is a it is one that ends. It's another cliffhanger ending, let's face it. They all oh. are. But, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's some good anti-villain action in that one too. I'm a fan. And now I'm going to stop talking for a little while. Phew, I'm exhausted. Chanu. Well, the books that I uh, read this week are uh, very different, Sarah. Very different. <laughs> Nothing like Twilight. Nothing like any fantasy at all. Um, they're all very contemporary. Um, one of them is um, not new. Uh, two of them are upcoming. Uh, the first book that I read was um, a book that I had on my to-be-read list for ages and I had a copy and I think I'd lent it to someone before I read it, which was a big, big mistake because I never got it back. Um, so um, I bought myself another copy um, and uh, not giving it to anyone this time because I really liked it and I'm planning on reading it again. It's called What I Like About Me uh, by Jenna Gia. I love that book. Sorry. Yeah, right. So good. <laughs> and again, it's like, I don't know what the thing is. Like, I don't read a lot of these books. I just pick up and start reading. And then it's somehow I've like managed to read things in kind of themes. Like this is another book that's written in a diary form. Uh, last, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about it. Um, you know, Please Don't Hug Me, which was written in letters. Um, but this one is written in a, in um in the form of uh, diary entries, which I love because I just, I just feel that when people write in this way, it's just such a, a great way of the author to like, make the character really free in their um, in their thinking and you really get inside the head of the character as opposed to just kind of observing the character from the outside. Um, and then it makes it a lot harder to judge the character when you're um, when when it's from from their point of view. Um, and this this character, the, the the main character in this book, um, uh, Maisie, is um, you know, she's got um, she's got some uh, self-esteem issues. One can uh, one can say her family life is not going as wonderfully as uh, she would like. Um, she got, she's got a huge crush on a guy, um, and then um, that is unrequited. Um, and not only that, but like the whole the whole kind of uh, setting of it is that they are going to this holiday house that they've uh, her family that they've gone to every year for many many years and the boy that she likes is the is the boy is basically the boy next door at the holiday house the parents are friends they were friends back in uni days and you know this whole setup is that her dad's not coming up this time he has to work the whole time so he can't come up for the for the holiday which upsets her what upsets her even more is that her sister who she hasn't talked to for a very long time is coming on the holiday um and then um and then also she's brought her best friend um and then things start happening when her crush is really interested in her best friend. Um, her sister brings her new girlfriend who um, she's really upset about, not because she's upset that her sister has a girlfriend, but she's upset because her sister's girlfriend is not skinny, which might sound very strange. However, what you find out is that um, uh, Maisie herself is not a typical, you know, uh, heroine of a of a of a of a book, shall we say? She's not a size, you know, size six and blonde. Um, she's she's she rocks uh, some awesome curves. That's what she I was going to say. From what I could describe, <laughs> sounds like perfect, like like a 1950s pinup figure. Yeah. Um, but in her mind, 
that is not, you know, she's just not like her best friend who is like a model. Um, and so, um, and so that's, and so the relationship with her sister is fraught because of things her sister said to her about um, her, you know, Maisie's, you know, weight and looks. And so that's why she feels betrayed when the sister turns up with a girlfriend that looks more like her, Maisie, than, you know, the best friend, uh, than either the best friend or, or the sister. And so there's a whole lot of like family drama going on. And it's like really, um, it, in the end, it's like super body, um, body positive, which is great. Um, it's, um, it's really, it's really funny because um, she does some really silly things in this book, um, but so does everyone else. Um, it's got a really good um, kind of story about friendships and changing friendships and how friendships might not always, you know, stay exactly as they are, but that doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. Um, it's got, um, you know, things, you know, secrets are unveiled in the, um, unveiled in the family and then they kind of, res and they get resolved, not, not perfectly, like, you know, it's not, you know, unrealistic, but, you know, things keep moving. Um, and, you know, there might be another boy that she might not have thought about that might actually be the perfect one for her. I'm not going to say that's what's going to happen, but, you know, you know, and it's great because you know it before she knows it. Um, so that's actually quite, you kind of spend the book going, come on, come on, can't you? Oh, come on, I know what's going on. Sometimes it makes you feel as a reader like superior, so <laughs> I don't mind that at all. Um, so I'm super excited because she has a new book coming out in August and um, I can't wait for what's going to happen in that book. You were made for me. It's called. I'm desperate for it. I yeah. I loved. I love Jenna Willam. I I never know if I'm saying her last name correctly, but is it Willam? Uh, possibly. I I was thinking it was more like the um French chef. Uh, that what well, French Australian chef. So I was going Guillaume, but it okay. Was, that we I should, thought that we should find out. <laughs> you know, you know what? Hopefully, hopefully, we will be able to talk to the author about her next book, and then we will know yeah. herself. herself. That would be great. What I like about me is wonderful. It's such a such yeah. a good book. Yeah. And then I'm going to save one of the other books I was going to talk about today to next time because we are way over time now. But um, I'm going to do a very clever thing, which is meld the uh, last book I'm going to talk about into also being our Australian author shout out, Yay for Me. Um, yeah, yeah. Even though Janet is also an Australian author, but she gets a shout out when we when we once we get the new book. Um, this um, this Australian author who I read on the weekend uh, is going to be known to so many, so many people because she has written over 25 books for children. And when I say for children, I mean going from like books for babies up to books for teenagers. And it's the one and only uh, Jane Godwin. Yeah. Who, yes, who is like just incredible. And I love every one of her books. And I'm very happy to say that one of her books, um, Tilly, picture book, has been nominated um, this year for a CBC Book of the Year Award. Well deserved. But the book that I read is not a kid's book, picture book, um, although I do love a kid's picture book and I will happily read them to myself. I don't need any children around. But the one that I read is actually um, a young, young adult, if that makes sense. Like it's not for... Um, middle school it's definitely for I would say 12 like you know either a very advanced 11 year old or 12 12 and up um, just because some of the the themes of of the book um, and also the ages they're they're like the the main character is 14 and it also references a lot her brother who was like uh, sort of 17 18 and um, you know certainly um, it's got a lot of quite a lot of issues in it but it's not an issues book if that makes sense um, it's done in such a great way that I could see both Schools saying, yes, this is a good book for kids to read and school libraries getting it, but also um, kids themselves wanting to read it. Um, 
I I wasn't sure when I picked it up because, again, I just went, oh, wow, Jane Godwin, I know her, and I just started reading it. So at first I had no idea kind of like kind of where it was going. Um, but it's um, it's it's just it's just a great modern story about family, um, about friendship again, about fitting in and not fitting in, um, and just about um, learning about yourself um, and kind of, um, you know, and understand and making this kind of understanding as well that your parents are actually people separate to being just your parents, you know. So um, the story is, it's really, it starts off really, really, um, really interestingly where this girl, um, Lissa, is home um, after school by herself. Her mum's at work and her brother's at footy training. And all of a sudden um, this this kid um, uh, looks a bit younger than her, she's 14, um, knocks on the not on her door and asks to come in um, and he's holding a baby. And so that's, you know, firstly, very unusual. And then secondly, what was more unusual about it is that he asked to speak to Lisa's mum and calls her by name, but he doesn't know, he, he won't tell her how he knows her or why, you know, why he knows her name. So she's really hesitant. She's like, doesn't want to let this strange kid in. She's been told, you know, don't let strangers in the house. Um, but also this, this boy has a baby and it's also, it's Melbourne and it's becoming winter, so it's cold. Um, so she does let him in eventually and then what happens from there you just wouldn't expect. And that's oh, what I'm going to say about that. It is just really, really beautiful and I would uh, strongly recommend uh, recommend the book um, to pretty much anyone that just likes a really lovely um, story with twists and turns that I was not expecting and did not know the answers to, which, I, again, as I've said to you before, I really love not knowing. So um, that is my my pick for the week. What was the name of that one again? When Rain Turns to Snow. It's going to be um, out on the 30th of June. Uh, I'm and, definitely, definitely yeah. that. I don't know when the, like, the period of CBC is, but if, if this is not nominated for a CBC for next year for whatever age group they decide it goes under, I'll be very surprised. Yeah. No, that seems like a sure bet for the CBCA. Brilliant. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, your time and for sharing these books with us, uh, Shanu and Sarah. Uh, we really appreciate it. And um, thank you to everybody who tuned in to listen as well. Uh, you can listen to all of our episodes for free right now on SoundCloud and iTunes. And we'll be back at the same time tomorrow with another episode of The Daily Booktopian. Until then, keep reading and please stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au